Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 108. I said it was 108 last time, and uh, that was a lie. That was episode 107. This is episode 108 of the Rise Up Good Witch podcast, a radical approach to herbalism, self-care, the tarot, witchy pop culture, art and creativity, ancestral connection, and really just all forms of healing that can guide us towards collective liberation. This is your host, Tavi Elise. Thanks for joining us. I am feeling really grateful to bring you today's episode through the portal of a leap year here at the end of Black History and Black Futures Month in the wake of a full moon in Virgo. I am feeling pretty low energy and heart heavy this week. Um, So I'm not going to do an extraordinarily long intro, but I do want to say a couple of things. Uh, First, I'd like to remind you, I'd be remiss if I left it out, about all the different ways that you can tap in to support me and this show. Um... I got bills coming up and you know, I also have some new medicine up in the apothecary. Uh, and fun reminder that if you join our rise up good, Witch Patreon for as low as $2 a month, you, uh, immediately you get a 20% off anything in my apothecary. When you enter a special checkout code, um, I would love to see some new folks on the Patreon. I would also love to see some new reviews and ratings of the show up on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever else you get your podcasts, but those two in particular are helpful. It's free. It takes you 30 seconds less than that, um, and it helps new people find us. So please, if you haven't done that recently, go give us a rating and a review. Um, it helps me out a lot. I have an exciting announcement which is that earlier this month I did something really big and I completed a super amazing 40 hour LGBTQIA plus peer support specialist training through NAMI, the National Alliance on Mental Health. Um, It's a program here uh, that's really special that I have wanted to do for literally years. The timing never worked out before, and um, I got in. I got a scholarship to go. It was such a treat. Um, I learned so much. I feel so confident now in my um, capacity for supporting others in a more formal way. Um, and so I am formally launching my own one-on-one consultations, and this is something I've had in the works for a really long time. Um, there are three different ways that you can work with me and I'll go through them here briefly. Um, the first way is herbal medicine support sessions, which are hour long consultations that are mostly focused on ways you can support your own health and overall well-being. working with plant medicine. Um, that's the first one. Uh, there's pure wellness support sessions, which are open-ended sessions where we can talk about things like sleep hygiene, stretching ways, uh, ways to support your nervous system, stress management, chronic pain management. I'm very good at it. I'd love to share with you uh, resource mapping and somatic practices to bring you more into balance with your mind, body, and spirit. I'm also offering a third new service, um, which I'm calling life transition doula support sessions, which is a space 
that I'm hoping to co-create with clients who are navigating bigger changes and shifts in their lives. Um, ones that, you know, might be similar to a lot of things that I've talked about on this podcast. A lot of conversations we've had are about big life shifts. Just a reminder, I'm not a therapist and I am not a doctor and I'm also uh, not a clinical herbalist. I'm not a clinical herbalist, but I have been a practicing herbalist for uh, over eight years at this point. Um, and I will tell you what my capacity is. I will tell you if something is beyond my scope of practice or what I can like legally offer you with. But, oh boy, if you ask any of my friends, uh, they'll tell you this, that this is really my life's work. This is what I have been doing, uh, solicited and unsolicited um, via DMs and emails and personal consultations with friends. I've been doing this for years. Uh, but now it's just wearing a fancy blazer and I'm getting compensated for it. I would love to work with you. Um, you can read more in depth about these offerings on my website, manateemedicinals.com. And even though my pricing is already way below market rates, um, because I, above all else, I want to make this kind of care accessible to people. Um, I really do value and love this community and I want to connect more deeply with new listeners and supporters. So if you'd like to book a session with me, you can use code RISEUP15 when you schedule, um, and that will take $15 off of your total cost. And I will link directly to my services page in the show notes. I'd also just like to give you a heads up that this episode does talk at length about what it feels like to be still COVIDing through this pandemic, uh, which I will lovingly remind you has not ended. And I know that four years into four fucking years, oh my God, into this experience of collective trauma and grief, it's like very easy to want to dissociate, um, to check out to sort of plug our ears because even like just the mention of COVID as a reality, um, it can bring up a lot of emotions, right? Maybe fear or grief or sadness, heaviness or exhaustion or pain. Perhaps it might also elicit a response of boredom or defensiveness. I would like to invite you, dear listener, to tune in with your body, to take care of yourself, but to tune in and ask yourself, what comes up for me when I think about this pandemic? What arises and where do you feel it in your body? I know that people do all sorts of other external things when they listen to a podcast. I know I do. Um, and maybe if you're at work or if you're doing something that like requires focus or I don't know, if you're operating heavy machinery, I don't know your life, uh, definitely save this episode to listen to at a different time when you really have space to listen to it. But if you're able to, I'd like to invite and ask you to stay with this conversation and really try to take it to heart. Because as a disabled person who is still severely isolated and limiting my exposure to the outside world out of necessity, 
Um, this is a very real and important topic to me. And honestly, I've been waiting like many, many months to find the right person to talk about it with at length. Um, it would truly mean a lot to me if even if you feel some emotional discomfort or resistance or if you don't feel like this is especially relevant to you or if you have wildly different experiences than my own if you could please i don't know stick around to hear it out stick around to listen to this whole conversation if we are trying to live in sincerity in wholeness and aligned with our values as activists, as witches, as radicals, as change makers, then we must realize that we cannot exclude and abandon topics or people um, who we deem as disposable or unworthy of care. We must back our words up with action or else they mean nothing. Collective liberation means collective care, and that's exactly what we dive into in this episode with the illustrious and iconic Gata Salvaje. Thanks for being here. Love you. Mean it. Hope you enjoy. Gata is a queer Afro-Caribbean angry feminista, COVID-conscious baddie with a maskie. She created the Bureaucratic Baddie series, how to file your taxes, how to sue your landlord, and how to sue pretty much any person, government agency, or corporation in the state of California. Since 2010, she has helped and filed taxes for over 3,000 people with the goal of educating and empowering working class folks to confidently file and understand their own taxes. Hi, Gata. Thank you so much for coming. Welcome to the Rise Up Good Witch podcast. Hi, Tavi. Thank you so much for having me here. Yeah. Um, so what that was a bit of your bio, but yeah, what else what else do you want to tell us about who you are and what kind of work you're doing in the world? Sure. So I'm just an angry bitch. Like, let's just keep it real. <laughs> um, but I mean, I am in I ident I identify as like an intersectional feminista. Um, you know, for me it's important to understand that. Uh, when we say like men are trash, capitalism is trash, imperialism is trash, uh, you know, COVID is trash. Uh, there's a fucking genocide happening in Palestine. Like these are all things that are interrelated and connected to each other. Um, and uh, I really like to express that a lot, either in the past with my merch, um, in my workshops and just in everything else that I do as well. Um, I like to hang out with friends. I like to do arts and crafts. Um, I like doing like puzzles. Um, I've been into diamond painting for a bit and I just recently picked up tarot. Um, I'm an Aries. So of course I just want to do like everything. <laughs> I want to <laughs> learn about everything all at once. Um, and something else that I enjoy doing also is like just building community of mutual aid with other COVID cautious folks. Um, whether it looks like fundraising to help people meet their needs, get masks, PPE. Um, I've created a couple of um, Telegram group chats of COVID cautious folks who we have like a buy nothing group. So it's like, hey, I have this, you know, anybody want this? We also have like a 
group chat of COVID cautious folks who we want to buy groceries in bulk for cheaper and split it amongst each other. I still don't know how that's going to look like. I'm a little nervous, but I do (laughs) trust in the group. And like, we all are very, we are all very wise. We are all very resourceful and it'll get figured out. Will it be perfect? Probably not. Will we go through some bumpy times? Sure. Um, But I'm just here uh, to build community uh, with other COVID cautious folks. Hell yeah. Thank you. Right on. Um, Yeah. I'm like, I'm so excited to get into this chat today with you. Um, And, you know, I've like, I've been, I reached out um, because I've been a fan of yours for a long time and um, it's been really cool and inspiring for me to like watch your work evolve um, and change over time. Um, So uh, I know you've had like a pretty significant shift in terms of your offerings and like your branding and kind of like how you're showing up in- online. Um, yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about the- how this transition from like a more merch based business into offering these kinds of workshops that you're doing now? Yeah. Like how that came about. Sure. So I can start off with how Gata Salvaje even started. So I started off with Gata Salvaje merch um, back in 2017 I was just done with my heteronormative phase. I stopped cosplaying as a hetero, cis-hetero person. Um, I am still cis, no longer hetero. Um, And just a lot of anger that came from just cosplaying as a hetero person for most of my life. Um, And I was just like, men are fucking trash. Men are fucking trash. And I was like, I want to put this on a shirt. And my whole thing was like, it was kind of like a gag joke. Like, sure, I'll do like a run of like 20 men are trash shirts. Um, you know, I had a friend who uh, silk screens and stuff. And he was like, look, if you ever want to silk screen, literally anything, I got you. And I was like, yes, I have this idea of this like gag joke, you know, whatever. Maybe I'll sell like two or three shirts and then that'll be that. Um, I ended up selling out. I sold out of these men are trash shirts and I was like, oh, wow, people really want men are trash shirts and they agree with this and they understand what this means um, or have different definitions of it. Right. So from men are trash uh, came uh, femme labor is not free. Um, And so those two have been like, you know, my two babies, men are trash and femme labor is not free. Um, And they both, because men are trash, femme labor is not free. And because femme labor is not free, men are trash. Like they're uh, kind of twins in a sense. Um, And I started doing, yeah, so I was doing all sorts of merch. So like shirts, bodysuits, booty shorts. I had done hats. Um, And that was a really fun ride. You know, I have so many stories. I have stories for days of the harassment Mm. from from selling men are trash, from folks of all genders, folks of all uh, sexualities, and just people, you know, kind of understanding, like seeing this thing that maybe triggers some sort of um, trauma from folks and like their reactions to it, whether it's been good or bad. Um, But so I started off with that um, and it was my side gig. And then um, I, then the pandemic hit. Then I was like, man, I had sprained my ankle at the very beginning of the pandemic. I couldn't stand for hours. I also was trying to social distance. I can't go to my friend's, you know, silkscreen shop. What do I do? 
Um, so then I remembered, I was like, wait, 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 hold on. I actually know a lot about taxes and I've been knowing a lot about taxes. And I'm like the friend that people go to and it's like, hey, I have a friend who knows about taxes. Let me see if she can help you, you know? And so I began offering those workshops and the money, the profit I was making from merch was way, way, way less than the profit I was making doing webinars where I'm not having to do any sort of physical anything. It's just talking. We're it's very safe uh, vending. You know, it, when I used to vend and it's a lot of people and we're all packed in a room versus being at home, being safe and not having to wear a mask and, you know, all of that. Um, and just having to present and share this information with folks, um, I preferred a lot better. Um, and so I decided to just start doing that. Um, I still have some merch left over that I've been trying to get rid of. Um, I'm still figuring out how to best get rid of it because I just don't have capacity for a website and to put it and to package everything. So we'll see how how that comes about. Um, but yeah, so I began doing the tax workshops. I had, um, a gig for a little while as a small claims court advisor with the County. Um, and then that ended, um, and then, uh, being more vocal about COVID cautious topics also came up as well. Um, I think before summer 2023, it really felt like I am the only person doing this, or I just Mm -hmm. know one other person. And, you know, the bar was very low for me of like asking others like, hey, can you like wear a mask? And I would accept a surgical mask. And if they don't test. All right. Yeah, because I know it's a lot to ask for somebody to test and wear, find a high filtration mask and X, Y, Z. And so there was a lot of shame or I get. Yeah, to be honest, I guess shame of like asking people and feeling like I was an inconvenience um, for wanting to keep myself safe. And I think there was also like just a lot of changes of where I myself was also a little lenient with my own masking uh, around 2021, 2022, um, and then learning more information. So there was a lot of like, wait, I'm like strict here, but not strict here. And, you know, all the misinformation that comes out and where do I find reputable information if it's not the CDC? Like, where else do I find this? So I was very fortunate summer of 2023 to have found a huge COVIDing community um, that exists both online and both in person here in LA. And through finding that community, we have all like taught each other so many things and like, wait, oh, okay. It's not too much to ask somebody to wear a high filtration mask and test before seeing each other and still testing afterwards to make sure like, hey, I'm not COVID positive or I'm not sick. I'm not, you know, whatever. And so through that came a lot of like, okay, I also want to share information about COVID and also be a hub for other people to learn more about this. Um, You know, being part of uh, the pandemic solidarity for the long future, um, I did this really cute mini web series of uh, two friends navigating this friendship of one friend who's completely oblivious to the other friend who is COVID cautious and having these like difficult discussions of like, I feel like I'm an inconvenience to you. Like, do you care? Do you care about anything I'm saying? Do you care about me to, you know, the friends coming together to finally being on the same page? Um, if you haven't watched the the mini series, I highly recommend you watch it. It's on the uh, pandemic solidarity Instagram page. Yes, thank you. Um, 
yeah, that miniseries is great. I don't know if I've watched all of them, but I've definitely um, definitely watched a couple of them. Um, yeah, I mean, like there's there's I'm not even sure where to start. Um, there's so much great stuff in there. Um, there's well, I learned in our first conversation that like you don't identify as disabled and rather you identify as temporarily able bodied. Um, and it's rare for me as a disabled person to encounter someone who's not disabled doing this level of COVID activism and advocacy work. Um, and uh, to, first of all, thank you. <laughs> like, thank you so much. Like, it's so meaningful um, because like, basically, I mean, to be real, like most of my closest friends pre-pandemic were already like disabled or chronically ill to some degree. Like I'm already, pretty immersed in that community and I also like already have to live a lot of my life at home <laughs> because of my disabilities but yeah it's uh increasingly throughout the course of the past four years um there is this widening gap um in my life where these friends and these relationships and these connections and in family too like the closest people in my life like for a variety of reasons like we're not um we're not spending time together anymore um and the people i know who are doing the most COVID advocacy work are people who basically it's like advocacy out of necessity right it's like i like personally like i'm really good at advocating for myself to doctors because I have experienced so much medical trauma, right? It's like that kind of a thing. Um, and as far as COVID goes, like we have to be, <laughs> a, a lot of us in the disability community, like we um, are on top of our shit because we have to be. Um, so yeah, I'd like to talk a little bit about, about that and about um, sort of uh, you already spoke a little bit to how your arc has gone, but yeah, anything you want to say in regards to that? Yeah, you know, I, I first heard about temporarily able-bodied person from a friend on Instagram, and I was like, oh, I love that because it's it's true. And I think the one thing a lot of people, or there's a lot of cognitive dissonance around, is that we are all at risk uh you know, to become immunocompromised, disabled, all of that, if we haven't yet, um, because of COVID. And I think it's like, I when I hear people say like, yeah, we need to do this for immunocompromised or disabled friends. I'm like, well, no, we're, we're doing this for all of us, because yeah. it's only been a couple of years of this pandemic. And there's I mean, even though there's a limited amount of research, there overwhelmingly the research says this affects your brain, this affects your kidneys, this affects your lungs, this, like, I don't know what COVID doesn't fuck up. <laughs> your oh, it's, body. you know, your entire vascular system, the network, those veins and blood vessels that run through your lymphatic system, like everything that runs through your body. Um, and the fact that we're at this stage where, like, we're comfortable like actively disabling our children by like sending them into these filterless environments with no masks and no precautions and where we're just like and by we i mean like largely our systems right our governments like local and you know national um yeah they're kind of hacking away at what little protections we did have 
Sorry, yeah, and I, no, no, absolutely. I think that's, that's definitely a good point. And it's like, I think it's, to be honest, it's the imperialism, it's the uh, American privilege, right, of living in the States, where we kind of think like, oh, things are going to be okay, you know, because, you know, we're in the US and we have like the best healthcare system. Um, you know, people come here supposedly, I guess, for healthcare or I don't know. It, there's always been this understanding of like the U.S. is better, quote unquote, than these other places. Right. And I mean, if we kind of think about it, like we were able to get the vaccines first. We were able to get COVID treatment first. Like in the U.S., I am able to get Paxlovid, even though it's hard to get it. Mm-hmm. Once you figure out the tricks, I'm able to get it for free. Other places like Canada, like my friends in Canada, friends in other states or excuse me other countries aren't able to get Paxlovid as easily or get COVID tests so there there is this like thing of like there is more access to stuff and I think there's this issue of like also this like I feel like in the past when there was SARS like before it was SARS-CoV-19 whatever we have now like I remember hearing about it but oh, that was in China, or that was over there, but it didn't make itself over here. So we're okay. And so I think there's like this thing of where people think, well, nobody else is talking about it, quote unquote. It's not on the news. Yeah. The, you know, the CDC said, you know, the WHO said this is over, even though they didn't say it was over. It's a lot of mixed messaging that's happening. And people would rather just conveniently look the other way instead of research and find out all of this other stuff. Um, And I think just this idea of just being Americans and being able to indulge in everything. And why can't I indulge in everything? Like I have to wear a mask. Why can't I I do whatever I want at all times forever? (laughs) Yeah, why why can't I do indoor dining? Why can't I go to XYZ and not wear a mask? Like no one here is sick. We're all fine, you know? Um and it's just really sad that that people it's it's going to be this thing where and I, and I'm calling it right now. 10 years from now when all this shit about long covid and all this other stuff comes out, people are going to say, "Wow, I really had no idea even though there are so many of us screaming it from the top of the mountains you know like I was thinking the other day about how uh pregnant women used to smoke or back in the early 1900s you know pregnant women would smoke cigarettes and it took years or probably decades to find out like oh wait that's actually harmful for your baby if you're smoking cigarettes and drinking alcohol And it took all of this time. And it's like, why can't we just be at the front of the curve? Why do we have to wait and say, well, I don't know, and wait till all of this stuff comes out and then later be like, wow, I had no clue. Why can't we be proactive and be at the front of the curve instead of after it? You get me? That's that's my thing. Yeah. Well, it's like it doesn't because it doesn't serve capitalism even though capitalism has still found a way to make covid profitable for itself in all these fucked up different ways <laughs> like it is it could be i don't know like the fact that we prioritize capital over everything else and it's like well look man i don't know how to tell you this but nobody's going to stimulate your economy if we're all dead <laughs> like or if we're all disabled and in, like you know intentionally impoverished like what do you think is going to be left um 
it's so grim and it's like there's um it's fucked up that people are it's like that we have been pushed into this corner where we have to do our own research we have to find out how to tell what uh you know these (laughs) paltry fucking four tests that the government sends you in the mail um if you can even get them um you have to look up to see if they're really expired or (laughs) or if you can actually use them like they have made it um i don't you know i wish i could say like oh it's easy to keep up it's it's easy to wear a mask and well it is and it isn't because they've intentionally kind of shoved us into this corner where we have to fiercely um be proactive in our own lives about and that is a hard about about all of it about finding the right masks about finding good filtered masks finding tests that work finding tests that don't cost 25 bucks a pop um finding like dwindling free resources um to keep ourselves safe um the fact that we've been pushed into that corner um and you know kind of denied help at every turn (laughs) and yeah i mean i i think it's it's definitely everyone for themselves. It's the you do you pandemic. Somebody called it that. Yeah. And it's, it's very much the you do you pandemic. And, you know, and I'm seeing history repeat itself again because, you know, HIV, like first, from what I understand from the very basic knowledge I know about it, I think it had first started in like the late seventies, but it wasn't really like a big thing until the night. like, it took like, almost two decades for like the government to be like, all right, this is like a big deal. We should like figure something out. And the reason I know that is as a 90s baby myself, I remember as a child, um, I used to watch Univision or whatever. And there's this show called Casos de la Vida Real that I absolutely love. And <laughs> to be honest, a lot of my, my videos and my little web series and all this stuff is very much... Um, inspired by Casos de la Vida Real, to be honest with you, but I digress. Um, So I remember one of the episodes, there was this little girl who had HIV because her mom gave her HIV, I guess, through like pregnancy or something. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I remember because they didn't really know how HIV or or whatever, however you, you would get infected by it. I remember this little girl holding out her hand to like this uh, older woman who was trying to help her and the older woman was like not trying to hold this little girl's hand and so the little girl starts crying and me being a little girl myself I'm like wait what do you mean there's something like adults can't help me and if I need help and they're gonna be like publicly like no like wait what and that's when I understood like oh shit this I don't know what HIV is but this shit sounds really scary you know and it's it's just I see the same thing repeating itself in the sense of like, you know, there's a lot of people looking the other way or people saying, oh, no, it's just the gays. It's it's the homosexuals who get it. Not us streets, you know, same we're clean. Thing. It's like we're clean we're, and, we, and we don't have dirty sex, whatever, you know, <laughs> like it's like this weird binary of like clean versus dirty um and yeah very similar to what we're seeing right now um yeah 
And it's like those sick people, those disabled people, or like workers, like you see like service workers are the ones who also wear masks because, oh yeah, we're not trying to get their germs. Like, you know, so it's, it's the same thing happening again. And it's just, it's really fucking sad, especially seeing other queer people like, Hey, I thought we we heard about this AIDS HIV thing, you know, happening before. I would hope we would know better, but apparently, like going to brunch or going clubbing and partying, and just ignoring it is just easier than having to, you know, come to terms with like, wait, this could be something, some like really serious thing in the long term. And, you know, I don't know how many people know that sixty percent of all transmissions, COVID transmissions, are asymptomatic. So this whole thing of wash your hands and if you're sick, stay at home. It's like that. It's like, sure, yes, it's good to wash your hands. But the fact is COVID can be, uh, you can get infected by COVID through, it's it stays in the air. It's not just when someone talks to you. And this is what took me a, a minute to understand because I thought, you could only get COVID if someone talks to you and the little spit that comes out when you talk, if that got to me, then I can catch COVID. But it's like, no, COVID can hitchhike in the air and stay in the air for hours. Even when you think nobody's in the room, you could walk in without a mask, breathe, and now you're going to catch COVID. Inside or Um, outside. Like outside, outdoors too. That's right. Indoors and outdoors too. And again, the fact that this is asymptomatic. So this whole, oh, if you're sick, stay home. Like, I mean, sure, if you're sick, sick, stay home. Absolutely. But what should be being prioritized and talked about is mass required. We need to have mass required gathering. We need to make sure we are cleaning the air, right? Because if COVID can stay in the air for hours, whether we're inside or outside, how are we making sure we're, we're filtrating this air that that we're all breathing in even with the mask on you know um asymptomatic piece I feel is like really important um and I want to touch on that too because I think that's like just such a staggeringly huge like as you said it's 60 percent of of transmission of the COVID transmissions are asymptomatic which means that you can have it without having any demonstrable like symptoms that you know about um and that's why it's important to have access to have like three backup tests in your cabinet you know to be able to like test at will to be able to like i don't even know like right now if i needed to go get like a professional covid test i'm pretty up to date on stuff and i don't even know i don't know where i would go because the place outside of the hospital that i used to go get the occasional professional test i can't i can't they they shut that shit down like you know a couple years ago um and Anyway, I think that like even for people who do care or mask 
sometimes even for people who are aware of some of these realities and statistics um they still might not know like oh even if i yeah i went to an event with like 15 of my friends and like no i didn't test before afterwards and like but i feel fine and it's like okay (laughs) well just because you feel fine doesn't mean like the responsible thing to do is it's it's not fun it's not fun to be masking and testing all the time but you know what else isn't fun fucking having organ failure when you're 35 um having early onset like cardiac problems and heart palpitations suddenly developing pots or multiple chemical sensitivity or mast cell activation syndrome like all these um people not recognizing that oh i've had covid three times so um that means when i get it if I get it again, it won't be as bad or oh my God. like, and it's, you know, it's not, it's not to be fair. It's not our fault. We have been deeply neglected by these systems that are supposed to take care of it, us by our healthcare systems, by our government systems. Um, like, and it's been kind of this campaign of either just obscuring the real information that's out there. People don't have access to the real, especially if you're just watching the regular 24 hour news cycle, people don't have access to like, so much of the real information um and it's yeah just these like campaigns of disinformation or misinformation and like it's confusing um but i think the like important thing to drive home is like we this isn't going away and it's very real um and it's like harming so harming killing disabling so many people and it's not slowing down um and it is like if you not just for yourself if nothing besides the selfish reasons for your community for the people around you not just for quote-unquote immunocompromised or elderly people um and for babies for children like we do have to continue being as proactive um as we can and i think that that's why like the work you're doing isn't so inspiring to me um because keeping up with that most of the people who are um that <laughs> most of the places where you can get real information like your link tree which we will talk about in a minute which is like an incredible resource of um covid safety covid prevention covid care like uh resources and information the people who are compiling that it's not our government it's like people doing mutual aid um and like folks working on like a closer you know local level yeah, I feel like, you know, it's it's such a mixed bag or it, it's difficult for me when people say like, yeah, you know, it's just really hard to find this information. And of course, I'm on my fifth infection because the system has failed us, right? It's like, okay, but I, I really, really wish more people could really have some introspective when it comes to like, what are you really doing to educate yourself more on this to keep yourself safe and other people safe? Because I mean, I also started there too, where I also didn't know about, Oh wait, this shit can stay in the air. Oh wait, where do I get a PCR test? What's the difference between a PCR and a rapid antigen test? What is, you know, like all of these things came up and I looked it up and if I couldn't find it, I asked other people, I looked around Like, I feel like there is no way 
there are people who are just like, I don't know, it's there's at what point are folks just completely oblivious? And at what point are you just really looking away? And I just really, really hope that people take more of that time because there are mass blocks out here. There are COVID advocacy groups. Like there's so much out there of folks who are doing all of the work and screaming from the top of the mountains. And then there are people who are like, well, I don't know, the government just failed us. So uh, whatever. And it's like, are you believing the people, the like people who are immunocompromised, who are disabled around you? Are you telling me that there's nobody in your family or network of friends who wears a mask and you've never tried to talk to them, listen to them, ask them questions? Like, I don't know. It's just very hard for me to believe or, or it's really hard for me to be sympathetic, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's- no, no. The, the sympathy is definitely like wearing for me in terms of like well in terms of when I see people who um are on their third fourth fifth COVID infections um and are resigned to accept that as an inevitability um and aren't doing anything to like follow up with their co-workers or like the people in their lives about like hey <laughs> I'm sick again you should test you know People who are not taking, yeah, the 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 resignation to just like, well, this is how it is. We're just going to keep getting sick forever. I have to send my kid to school. And to be fair, I don't have, you know, I have the privilege. I don't have kids. I'm not in that position where I have to go work a fucking 40 hour a week job outside of the house and then also have one, two, three kids take, you know, to like figure out their schooling. Um, <laughs> don't have the capacity to homeschool them. It's like, well, what are you supposed to do? Again, we've been put into this. And then if you get sick, they've taken away COVID leave. So it's another way of kind of pushing people into a corner. Um, but I do think that there's like, it doesn't have to be all or nothing. Um, it doesn't have to be, I never leave my house ever again. I never see my friends ever again. Like I have had to open up I was telling you before like I've had to open my life back up a little bit and so now the riskiest thing I do is I go I go and I swim at a small community center where they limit lap swim to six people um and then sometimes I go in person for classes and I'm always the only person masked but there's open windows like you know like I wear masks on the bus I wear masks every time I'm in public the only place I don't wear masks is when I'm walking my dog and even them if I'm walking by a bunch of kids put my mask back on for like a few minutes you know like it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be all or nothing um some degree of consciousness and care is is better than none yeah absolutely and i think more so the reason this is more so a reason to advocate for mass required for air filtration systems because there are people like you were saying who have kids who are like yo I have no other choice what what am I supposed to do and it's like if there were the staff wearing masks and if there was you know air filtration systems then this would be less likely to happen you know and the fact is that you know because COVID attacks your system and attacks your t-cells People, when they get sick, even from something that's the common cold or flu, it's actually hitting them worse, you know? And right now, I also, I mean, not right now, but for a while, like, I think it's also important to recognize that 
there's more reasons to wear a mask that's not just COVID. I mean, there's like a measles outbreak apparently happening like in Florida. There's like yeah. measles are back. Measles mm-hmm. is also something you can get through like the air, like somebody coughing in the air. There's the, the like, I mean, and I think there's this misconception where people think like, oh, if you get sick um, and you survive it, it's like you're building like a muscle, you know, which is actually that's rooted in eugenics. Uh, <laughs> friendly reminder for folks. Um, it's almost from what I've understood, people explain it. It's like a rubber band. And, you know, when you keep stretching and stretching and stretching the rubber band, it gets like looser and looser and not as like stretchy as it was that is kind of what actually happens to our um our uh, like immune systems our immune systems you know it's not a muscle it's more so of like a rubber band which Mm -hmm. is unfortunate that folks are really still believing in like eugenic stuff and not understanding or not realizing that that's what it is well i have a And that's the thing is like, I think we have such a, one of the reasons why we are where we are is because we have such a limited understand, misunderstanding of our own bodies, of our relationship to work, of our like bootstraps, like just push yourself through whatever hell you have to, to get, you know, your to-do list done or to go to work. Like we have such a misunderstanding of like how our even immune systems work. I have a friend who has pretty severe like rheumatoid arthritis and they were like, they were at the hospital for like a procedure or something like a checkup. Um, and they were in the bathroom and they were wearing like a filtered mask. And there was this older woman, um, who was like, Oh, why are you wearing a mask? And they were like, well, I'm, I'm immunocompromised. Um, and, <laughs> and the woman was like, huh, she like had a curiosity about it. And she was like, huh, well, I have, um, I forget what else, I forget what she said. She said something like, well, I have, it was like a very obvious, like, I also have arthritis. So like, I have this very obvious, like, immune condition. She's like, am I immunocompromised? And my friend was like, yes, yes, Jesus Christ. Like, how are we four years into this? And people don't even know what that definition means. Like, I don't have a major, like, personally, I have fibromyalgia. And I also um, have a previous history of having EBV, which is like Epstein-Barr virus or mononucleate, you know, mono. I had mono when I was like in my early 20s. That's part of what catalyzed my chronic illness. And um, people don't even understand. I didn't even understand until years after I got that diagnosis that what that means, having a virus, having the antibodies in your system means that like when I get a cold, that virus kind of gets reactivated. So it means that when I get a regular cold, it might take me two weeks to come out of it and it might be really intense. Um, and the same thing is kind of true for COVID, you know, where it it lives, it is living in our systems and it doesn't like fully go away. Even if you don't get long COVID, you still have those antibodies in your system. Um, yeah, all that to say, <laughs> we need like better education about just how our bodies work. Yeah, I've, always like I've had bronchitis for years you know um before the pandemic like I would get bronchitis like two or three times a year and I thought it was normal right because we show up to work I'm coughing until they tell you hey look you are way too sick get out you know it's like that's the polite thing to do apparently you know and I thought it was inevitable it's like well everybody gets sick right everybody gets bronchitis like this right like and then once the pandemic started 
and we're all wearing a mask, I didn't get sick for years. And I was like, wait, what? Like, I can choose to not cough my lung out and not have this. So, and that's also why, even though I'm not technically immunocompromised, I've had bronchitis so many times that I'm like, I know COVID is like way worse than bronchitis. So no, thank you. You know? Mm-hmm. Well, and choosing to, choosing to like, see that connection and be like, oh, you know what? I think I'm going to keep, I think I'm going to keep protecting myself just because I can. shift a little bit into like why why do we think or from your perspective like why do you think the overwhelming majority of people don't and then just speaking in our society here in the U.S. like why do you think people don't seem to care about these very scary realities of COVID anymore? I think it's a mix of like ableism and you know people thinking that they have access to this fountain of youth, you know, I don't think people realize how fragile life is, um, how literally in one snap of a finger, you can go from able-bodied to immunocompromised or disabled and just how fragile that is. Or And people, it, it's just easier to look the other way because so many people cosplay as um, able-bodied folks, right? Um, I think it's a mix of that and also um, just imperialism and the American privilege, like we were saying earlier, like that indulgence, right? Like I want to indulge in everything. What do you mean I have to limit myself? What do you mean I, I'm sick and I can't go to this thing I've been looking forward to forever? Why do I have to wear a mask? Wow, I look like the only weirdo here, the only one wearing a mask here. Oh my God, I don't want to be the weirdo. I don't want to be the one who looks like a sick person, right? Because sick people, people who are disabled, whatever, are ignored and disabled. Excuse me, they are ignored and disposable Mm -hmm. and are just like, I don't want to be seen as like somebody who's disposable. I don't know. I just think it's a mix definitely of like ableism and uh, American imperialism at the end of the day. Um, And it's just wild to me how I take my COVID precautions as a temporarily able-bodied person. And it's interesting to even see other immuno, like there are immunocompromised disabled folks who don't mask and don't take any precautions. Like I know people who are in cancer remission, who went to Vegas for the weekend, in packed indoors, all of this stuff. And I'm just like, Wow. Yo, yo. <laughs> yo. <laughs> Yikes. Like, like I hope you're I, taking I have hope you're taking your herbs. <laughs> I hope you got some, you know, um some emergency with you cuz shit like <laughs> it's really and, really rolling the dice there. And I really hope that weekend in Vegas is worth, you know, you going to the hospital and possibly dying next week. I like I don't know. Oh, people are willing. People are willing to like 
risk long COVID, as you said, going to Applebee's um, for like whatever. And to think that is so painful to me um, because I have had to take um, in a high risk household where I'm disabled, my partner has cerebral palsy. And so their lungs, they have like a very like limited lung intake function. So like we've had to just like really be on top of our shit. Um, and again, it doesn't mean we've totally discarded our social lives, but to some degree, yeah. Like <laughs> um, I haven't eaten indoors at a restaurant in four years. Um, and that is that's not like a fun choice for me to have to make. I really miss going out on dates with my partner. Um, but we do other stuff. Like we go, we'll go to the movies and mask things like that. Um, but yeah, I think the imperialism is, Oh, this is what I wanted to say earlier is, um, and we can get more into this if you want, but just like how kind of a missing link that I'm seeing, not connecting for people, especially like leftists and like, other activists, people in my spheres who are just like raw dog in it and have been for a long time. Um, people who I love, who I've been friends with for years, um, who I'm just like, damn, I, I don't know if I'm going to see you again, if or when. <laughs> like, um, I, I think like the collective liberation piece of like, this is about all of us. And are you really able to weave in that piece, that reality of like um, collectivism versus like toxic individualism. Are you able to actually live? Like, yeah, you have a bunch of ethos and like you do all this ac other activism stuff. Okay. You're an organizer, whatever, but like, where's your fucking praxis, man? <laughs> like, are you able to, um, recognize that and like start to weave it into your practices and how you're showing up in the world right now. Um, especially if you're like getting on a plane, if you're like traveling in between States or like going out of the country. Um, yeah, it's just, I think it's important to just keep verbalizing those of us who are, who are still conscious, who are still masking, who are still taking precautions, like verbalize that it's, it is physically and viscerally painful to me to see my friends and people I love, family, people I love you know, traveling abroad with like, no, nothing. Um, it, it, it's painful because a lot of us, like, I think people are very out of necessity often and out of the way that our society is, people kind of have their blinders on and they're focused on their own unique experience um, and their own personal, like, you know, sense of freedom. Um, and those of us who are still indoors, largely, we're way outside of that vantage point. We're in the periphery. We're like not, they're not looking at us. Um, and we might be yelling from this, <laughs> from behind them. But yeah, like people, people have to listen. Um, because like, I don't know, we know what we're talking about. Our experiences are real. Yeah, this seems like a good um, segue point to like talk about this big project that you've been working on. Um, you and this group of other BIPOC organizers have put together this really incredible event. Um, it's called Pandemic Pandemic Solidarity for the Long Future or PS4LF. Um, please tell us all about it. 
Yeah, so Pandemic Solidarity for the Long Future, we've been planning since September of 2023. So it's been a very long time now. And it's just kind of wild to think like, oh my gosh, it's right around the corner. Um, So we are a group of about 10 folks. Um, We are all over between the West Coast, East Coast. um, And we are overwhelmingly folks who identify as Black, queer, gender nonconforming, trans. Um, It's really exciting um, because as far as I know, this is the first convening or conference for specifically COVID cautious folks Um, and for it to be virtual and the fact that there's so much intentionality to make sure that it's accessible, to make sure we have ASL interpreters, to make sure um, that it's on a platform that's accessible to everyone, whether you're on your computer, on your phone, a tablet or any of that. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm, we're, we're very, very excited for, for this. Um, so it's going to take place on Gathertown. Uh, Gathertown is kind of like, if you think of Pokemon, like, uh, the play, the, what is it? The play? Oh my God. The Game Boy. If you think of the Game Boy Pokemon game meets Zoom in the sense of like, you make your own little avatar and like, this is like a world that you're in and you move around and you interact with people. And if you're close enough to a person on the thing, you can see them and hear them. Um, Like go into your own private conversation room. You can go into your own private conversation room. Um, There are, yeah, there are places where you can like speak from and everybody can hear you in the room um but yeah it's it's been a long time coming um so we have uh 12 facilitators um that are going to be leading workshops um so these topics uh range from uh you know how to be how to pay your rent and still be a sustainable artist as we continue to live in the pandemic um disability justice within a black liberation lens poetry writing, safer drug use. We have uh, someone talking about top surgery and navigating the U.S. healthcare system, trying to get top surgery. There's a lot of really good stuff, lots of really good stuff. Um, And then we're going to have seven performers and seven art exhibitors as well. Everybody who is in attendance are all COVID cautious people. Um, And uh yeah so it's it's a really exciting lineup um what's really cool too is on top of this being a free conference we are paying everybody so facilitators are getting paid performers are getting paid our art exhibitors are getting paid and also we as organizers are paying ourselves because six months Mm -hmm. of labor of doing this our labor is also not free so we are also paying ourselves uh stipend as well um And I do want to highlight something um, that this convening is specifically for Black, Brown, Indigenous, Asian, and Pacific Islander kin, uh, folks who are, who identify as COVID cautious, COVID conscious, or just, you know, who are aware of this and understand that like, hey, this is something to take seriously. Mm -hmm. We have asked that, you know, white adjacent, white presenting, white passing folks, please not attend and respect our space. Um, This collective decision was made uh, because of the fact that, you know, COVID cautious spaces, if we keep it real, are overwhelmingly white. Okay. And they center white people um, and whiteness. 
so if it's not white people who are centered, it's very light skinned white passing people who are, at, you know, the ones who are leading this or are the ones uh, who are getting the mic, who are who are hogging the mic. Um, so for us, it was really important to center uh, folks who are racialized, um, folks uh, who are most impacted by COVID. Black, brown, racialized folks are the ones who are most impacted by COVID. Like that's that's a fact, you know. And we want to center those folks and center each other because I'm I'm also uh, someone who is COVID cautious and I'm also uh, someone who is racialized as well. Um, and to my surprise, there's been like a small, very vocal minority of folks who did not like that part of our language, but that's totally fine. You know, I think it's totally fine to disagree with people. And I encourage people to make and create their own conferences where they can include whomever they want, you know, and I think having more spaces for more COVID cautious people, uh, whether it's in person or online is better for all of us and is safer for all of us. So Mm-hmm. That's great. And let's talk about the details. So um, Pandemic Solidarity for the Long Future, it's a three-day long, three-day long correct. conference, and it is from March 8th through the 10th. That's that right? correct. That's right. Hosted on GatherTown, and um, it's free to attend. Absolutely right. Yes. So it's free to attend. Um, you can go to the website and you just register. So you fill out a little form, um, just a short little form. It's on pandemicsolidarity.org. That's right. All right. Yeah, I think it's such a great event. Um, There's also going to be vendors, um, which is really exciting. Yeah, I've just, I haven't seen anything like this and I definitely haven't seen anything like this. It's really impressive to see, like, I'm, I'm so curious about, like, the magnitude of people, how many people are going to show up. Um, and I also, I checked out, you know, there's some YouTube videos about how GatherTown works um, that you can look at just to see what it's like. Um, and it looks so cute. <laughs> like it is adorable. Um, and it also is just like, I don't know. I just did this um, really 40 hour all zoom peer support training. And um, I had to not look at any screens for like three days afterwards because my eyes were so like zoom is really fatiguing and people, people got zoom fatigue and it's real. And it seems like this is a much more um, immersive and like dynamic experience than like just being, being on zoom. Cause you can like, do, 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 do. you can like, you can, with your arrow keys, like you control your little avatar and can move them like freely around the space. Um yeah, just accessibility wise, it seems um, like a really, a really cool choice. I never heard of it before. So it was really fun to look into. I showed my partner, they were so excited about um, finding out about Gather Town. Um, I wanted to, yeah, also talk a little bit just about your link tree. Um, you have a great link tree that's in your bio. Um, what's your Instagram again? So my Instagram is gata, G-A-T-A underscore the, T-H-E underscore baddie, B-A-D-D-I-E. Gata the baddie. Um, yeah, you just, I was just impressed at like how comprehensive your COVID resources and your other resources, it has all your um, links to your work, your uh, workshops. Well, let me, let me ask you a, just briefly about your Patreon first um, and what's on your Patreon or what people can expect so, when they sign up. 
So the Patreon pretty much is meant to get into the nitty gritty details of what I generally talk about on my Instagram. So on the Instagram, I'm generally talking about taxes. I'm generally talking about how to sue your landlord. I'm generally talking about um, how to sue uh, the city for like pothole damages to your car. But in the Patreon, I go into the deeper details of like, all right, where do I get this paperwork? How do I fill it out? Where do I send it? go through line by line of each and everything. How do I find out? Like there are things, especially um, the reason why I call myself the bureaucratic baddie is with the bureaucracies, there's always like these little bumps in the road that you're like, oh shoot, I didn't know this. Wait, how do I get around this? How do I get around that? And so very much my Patreon is meant to be like, hey, you want to watch out for these things and to avoid these bumps, you want to make sure you do X, Y, Z, X, Y, Z. I do also offer a free 30-minute one-on-one for members, a one-time one. I do ask people to, of course, please stay for a couple of months, Um, you know, um, but, you know, for just general questions, if folks are like, look, I just have a quick question. Um, Also, I answer folks into, you know, people a lot of the times, and I think you probably have seen this, like on Social media, people feel like they're entitled to your time to ask you all these questions to for you to put in this free labor. Um, and so a lot of questions I don't I don't even I don't mean to ignore people or be rude, but it's like, you know, people are asking me very specific questions. And I'm just like, I, <laughs> I hop, on, hop, hop on the Patreon. <laughs> hop yeah. on the Patreon. Happy to answer it there. <laughs> at a certain absolutely. level um and yeah. i don't know especially like black and brown femmes like people just people just be asking all kinds of things all the time um <laughs> and it's like i'm happy to you know and i'm part of why i'm doing my patreon is to be able to have a space to chat with people um and have a different space outside of instagram for people to interact with me um because people do feel really entitled to your time <laughs> and and then, um yeah, I, it seems like you have a lot of really good content on there. And are there um, uploaded, there are uploaded versions of the workshop, some of the workshops on there as well? Well, or- they, they all link back to the Patreon. So they're really just a way to get people to the Patreon. Um, yeah, so I have sections here on small claims and tenant resources. So there are some docs there that I'm just like, all right, here's a document. You can learn more here, find more information elsewhere. Anything that you see that's a recording always goes back to the Patreon. Um, I have my taxes, pre-tax services. Um, So every year what I would do is, you know, I have a sliding scale, um, $75 to $150 for folks uh, to book an appointment with me and get a one-on-one support. Um, but of course, $75, even $75, that's a lot of money. Um, that's groceries. That's what groceries for like not even a week. Um, so what I would do is I would fundraise, you know, and ask others like, hey, can we help, you know, do some sponsored spots? And so I had been able to do that for a couple of years. Unfortunately, this year, because I have a day job, I have my side gigs, I have the conference, I have just a lot of things going on. I did not have capacity to fundraise. Um, but I do have resources there for people who are like, look, I just need some help with my taxes for free. You can click the link there and there's plenty of other, uh, 
plenty of other places that can also help you with your taxes for free. That isn't necessarily me. Um, I also have a section here on just like a bunch of COVID resources, what to do when you have COVID, where to get free Paxlovid, where to get rapid tests, where to find your local mass block and advocacy groups. You know, I always hear folks say like, yo, I can't afford to buy masks. I can't afford to buy these tests. And so, you know, these mass blocks are here and they are these autonomous groups that they do the fundraisers. They do all of these things uh, to make sure, which really sucks. It's like they're doing the job of like the CDC and the government mm -hmm. money we're already paying into. But I digress. Um, where to find, you know, uh, COVID testing locations near you. Um, I would say definitely for where to find masks, tests, PCRs, testing, all that stuff, definitely reaching out to your local mask block because they will probably know of local places around you. Like I didn't know until my local mask block when they were like, oh, you can get a PCR test in East LA. Um, there's like a, a drive through, you drive up. So it's not even indoors. You literally drive up, you roll down your window, they swab you and you go. Um, so stuff like that, where to get vaccines, um, how to talk to your loved ones about COVID. There's that document was very, very helpful of, you know, especially when people say things like, I had a friend who said, you know, hey, I heard we don't have to wear a mask on public transportation because they have really good air filtration systems. So mm -hmm. technically we don't have to wear a mask. And I'm just like, ah! so those situations, I loved how they even talked about that too in that document. Um, where to find a portable air purifier and how to build your own Corsi Rosenthal air purifier. Um, so the Corsi Rosenthal box I recently learned about, again, this came in with, you know, joining this COVID cautious community where, you know, it's a, it costs about 75, 70 to 80 bucks, really, when you get the fan, the filters, the duct tape and all that. But it works just as well as like a $500 air filter. Oh, wow. You know, yes. Um, it's really, really good. There's been a lot of testing done around it and all of that of how well it purifies the air. Um, and at first when I saw it and I see to be honest, white people, again, talking about COVIDing spaces, a lot of white people. I'm like, I see this older white man putting it together and like, this looks really complicated. I don't know. I found this cute video. Oh my God. This, she's a fourth grader, I believe. Oh my God. I need it. Yeah. I, I believe she's a fourth grader, this, uh, this brown girl. Um, so she, is like, let me explain to you how to build a Corsi Rosenthal box and how she explains it. I'm like, you are way better than some old white dude here that I'm just like, <laughs> nope, not doing that. But the way she did it, I was like, oh my goodness, you are so cute. You are, look at you wearing a mask. Look at you building the Corsi Rosenthal. Like, you're not gonna do it like this. Make sure it's not like this. It's like this. And so watching that video was like, all right, cool. I can do this, you know, seeing a girl who looks like me um, putting it together and all that and explaining it in such an accessible way. Um, so I, I linked to that too. Uh, there's the wastewater scan. So as we know, uh, they stopped, you know, people, you know, there's no long, it's as we know, right. It's not as easy to get a free test where it used to be before. So now there's like a lot of wastewater scan because um, COVID does show up in wastewater as well or in your waste. Um, 
I have COVID Safety 101. So understanding that I really like the COVID Safety 101 and swab instructions. I believe it's that one um, where they talk about how <clears throat> COVID is classified as a biohazard level. Was it three? Actually, let me click on it now. Biohazard level three. Yes. Okay. So COVID is considered a biohazard level level three pathogen, which is the same biohazard level as yellow fever, West Nile virus, and tuberculosis. Ooh. Wow. So when people are saying, oh, it's just a cold, it's just a flu, it's like, is TB just a cold or a flu? Is the yellow fever, West Nile virus, you know, it's it's not mild. So I, I like that for that. Um, and then there's also just another compiling of pandemic resources by Justin, um, who is also um, an organizer with the uh, pandemic solidarity with our with our group as well. Wonderful. Thank you so much. And I just want to say, like, you deserve to get paid for all of this. You deserve to you put so much like free um work and like resources into the world and i just want to say like again thank you um for all of this different work that you do and yeah you deserve to get paid whatever your rate is for all of it um and i i hope that that continues to like build and grow like with your audience for you and i hope that you're having a reciprocal experience of how much of care for like how much you're putting out into the world because it's a lot um this is a lot of even just your link tree which is just like pages of information um it's so beneficial and it's so um loving and, and useful so thank you for that I guess this is like kind of a two-pronged question, but for you and your own life, for your own care, for your own sense of sanity, like what has helped uh, keep you somewhat sane over the course of the past very long four years? And like, and also like what self-care tools or practices are helping you the most currently or yeah, more recently? So for me, the finding the COVID cautious community is what saved my life and what helps keep me relatively sane. Um, I remember first learning about how to improve the effectiveness of your rapid antigen test by swabbing the back of your throat or the tonsils, cheeks and nose. Um, literally a week after I had found out about that. And again, I had only found out about this through the COVID cautious community, not the CDC, not the TV, not anywhere else. Um, literally a week into learning that my partner had swabbed themselves and the thin line, the thin positive line came up and we were like, oh shit. And immediately my partner, we made sure to isolate her. We both wore masks. We had all the air purifiers. We, we had finally built our air purifier. And then she redid the test where she only swabbed her nose and it showed up negative. Mm. And of course, she was positive. Because of that bit of information, we were able to isolate early enough 
that I never caught COVID. We were able to completely, she had COVID, she got her Paxlovid. I was also able to get Paxlovid again through the COVID cautious community um, because when she went to her doctor, they said no, because you're not high risk. You're not immunocompromised. You're not disabled. Request denied. While my friend was like, hey, go to test to treat to get it. Literally the next day I'm picking up Paxlovid because of this link a friend in the COVID cautious community sent me. Wow, that's amazing. And I think, wow, we would have, I would have probably caught COVID. My partner would have not used Paxlovid. Like I think of all the things that would have happened. Um, and I really appreciate how with the COVID cautious community, you know, we also have spaces to vent about these things. And we also have spaces to like share joy and share other things that are not COVID related. Um, and I, I just, yeah, I, I think what I also really love about the COVID cautious community that I'm in is that we're not trying to out COVID each other, you know, like it is genuinely for the most part, very much like, how are we sharing our resources? How are we making sure like, Hey, I have 300 3M auras. How do I get this to other people all over the country who don't have access to this, who aren't close to a mass block? Um, you know, so I think definitely finding folks who are also sharing this trauma of, you know, surviving the pandemic has been very helpful and, and very comforting. Um, my partner also being a part of my life and supporting me and loving me through these tough times. You know, my partner and I weren't always on the same page when it came to our COVID practices. And it's been, you know, it's been a quite, it's been a bit of a journey, but I am glad that we eventually were able to get on the same page and we both are learning from each other and um, we both do everything we can to keep each other safe. And we're both very open and honest with each other of the risks that we're taking. And, you know, I think also just understanding that like the person I was before 2020 is very different than the person I am today. Um, and really having to come to the conclusion of like, well, not the conclusion, but I guess just the reality of outgrowing friendships and investing in friendships, investing time and, you know, my resources into friendships that are safer. 99% of all of my friends or people I interact with on a daily basis are COVID cautious with, of course, the exception of, like, my coworkers and, you know, things that I have to do just because of capitalism and surviving, people who I choose to actively spend time with, 99% of them are COVID cautious. And I had to do a lot of changes to get there. But that is what kept me safe, not just physically, but also mentally as well. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, I think what you were, say you were saying in our earlier conversation about like our experiences in the world and um, prioritizing like creating safety and trust and how important that is, like how crucial that is for just like functioning as a human being and also how difficult that is right now. Um, so I'm glad that you have that. <laughs> I'm glad that you've been able to like, you know, find and keep building community. Um, well, thank you so much for this, Gata. This has been wonderful. Um, is there anything else that you that you have coming up that you want to plug or talk about? I'm probably going to have a tax workshop at some point. I'm just like, 
exhausted. Yeah, but you got, just this one, just the pandemic solidarity conference is a lot. <laughs> yes, but I will definitely be having tax workshops. I'm probably going to bring back the how to sue your landlord workshop. So for sure for folks to uh, come through on that. And that one is California specific, right? So yes. So the how to sue, any how to sue stuff is California specific. The tax stuff is U.S. wide. Okay. Um, Great. So I would say actually we have a lot of uh, California listeners. So. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Um, So yeah, I would say just uh, check out my Instagram. You know, you can sign up for my newsletter. I like. I try to send out news. You know, newsletter blasts to remind people of workshops that are happening. Um, but yeah, I would say that's, that's all I got. And wear a mask, <laughs> wear a mask. That's, wear that's, a mask. that's all I got. Please wear a mask. You can go to their link tree to check out where you can get more masks. Um, if you're local to Portland, hit me up. I can help you find stuff too. Um, and I also just wanted to say, I don't think I mentioned this, but I took, you know, um, I took your tax workshop, uh, t- I think taxes for small business, maybe workshop, um, maybe like a year ago. Um, and that was my first introduction to like actually like paying for your work and gosh, worth the price. God damn, I got to say. So uh, yeah, sign up for their newsletter so you, or, or the, and or their Patreon um, so that you can get the heads up about that because it was such a useful, such a useful workshop. So much good information in there. All right. Well, thank you so much, Gata. Thank you so much for having me.